This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider. Last week in the United States of America, we had two inflation releases. One was consumer price inflation. That's the price of goods at the retail level. And also we had producer price inflation. That's the price of goods leaving the factory gates. One was embraced very nicely by the markets because it was seen to be benign. The other one was a little bit more of a surprise. With me now is an investment strategist at 91 in London, and that's Russell Silverstone. Let's start with CPI if we can, Russell, because although it came out 5.4% year on year, the market suddenly took off after the figure because the month-on-month figure was quite a large drop. What did you make of it? Yeah, no. Hi there, Lindsay. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the headline number, as you say, is still running at 5.4%, uh, unchanged from last month. But the, the month on month, it did increase. It was up 0.5, but um, it slowed from 0.9. And it's the first slowing in month on month increases we've had for, for, um, for several months now. So the market took that to be quite bullish. And core underlying inflation, which excludes food and energy prices, uh, also slipped back to 4.3% from 4.5. So that was seen as sort of confirmation that inflation should be peaking somewhere around here. And, and thus we've got a good reaction. Yes, indeed. It's all to do with base effects. And when a market particular metric goes shooting up because it's been depressed for so long, everyone says, oh, it's just a base effect. Don't worry about it. And here, I think that it's the high base effect that has affected the market. And do you see that continuing? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go right back to basics. So all the inflation is, is the year on year change in, in a basket of goods and services. So if you think this time last year, or particularly earlier, um, this time last year, we we're at the height of the, the COVID crisis and prices were collapsing. So, so you know, you're seeing these base effects as the year-on-year change um, is, is picking up the big increases we've had since those, you know, those terrible times early, early last year. However, the real issue in inflation at the moment is you open a factory or close a factory, close a restaurant. Um, when you reopen it, you know, you're as an employee, your demand is is there immediately, but the supply side might not be able to actually deliver what whatever it may be, sort of food, staffs, parts for your factory. And so what we're really seeing is huge disruption between the demand for goods and services um, and the supply of those goods and services. And, and that's what's really pushed prices up. And so trying to, to, to gauge when those bottlenecks will, will fade is difficult. Most analysts think you know, we are at or very close to the peak, um, and so they should begin to fade late, later this year. Uh, but, it, but it is just because of the totally unprecedented disruption we've seen in the global system. It's very hard to to, to pinpoint that. Is it the case then that, again, going back to basics, that the prices will have to rise substantially in order to maintain a 5% plus CPI level? I mean, if if they carry on as they are at the moment, then we are going to slip back and we may go back into the 3.5% to 4% range. Is that the theory? That's exactly correct. So so unless unless the year-on-year rate of increase is the same, it, it, it has to slip. 
Uh, and the, the way I've been looking at actually is, is, is looking at the two year change in inflation just, just so you, and that's actually running at around about 3.3, 3.4%. So that sort of reflects in the, the very low prices of this year and the very high price, uh, sorry, very low prices of last year and the very high prices of this year. And that's exactly right. Unless we sustain these sort of levels of disruption and, and price increases, it has to fall back. And most people just think it falls back towards sort of, you know, three, three percent by next year. And that's also reflecting the market pricing. Okay, let's move on to the wholesale prices now, prices from leaving the factory. And that's producer price inflation, 7.8%. It's quite significantly higher than the market had expected. And a little bit of a surprise, and I think the CPI watchers would be saying, well, wait a second, maybe we're a little bit hasty by embracing CPI, because if PPI is at 7.8%, that will be passed down to the retail level at some stage. That's what I interpret it as anyway. Yeah, and again, I think that's exactly right. You know, if, if producer prices reflect the cost of producing one unit of, of goods or, or services, uh, and that's, and that's running up, absolutely. Ultimately, you know, if a company were to maintain margins, and that's, of course, not guaranteed, but if it were, then that gets pushed through to, to consumer prices. However, the sort of leads and lags on that are very variable and it, it's, it's, it's non obvious. It does get pushed through. My understanding of this particular number was it was sort of travel services that have really uh, pushed up in price, and so the inputs in, in, into those have have increased. And again, you know that that as far as we can see is just a reflection of the big mismatch between demand and supply that, that we're seeing, and, and reflects the distortions. But over time, again, I think the expectation is that is that pulls back. You're absolutely right. If it doesn't, then ultimately that's going to two things happen. It either gets reflected in lower margins for companies or it gets reflected in higher prices for consumers. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Also interesting is the reaction of the US 10-year bond market. And as far as I can make it, again, as a layman, I look at it and I say, this has got very little to do with the inflation outlook. This has got to do with supply and demand of the of the bonds, how much supply is being given to the dealers and uh, the general market participants and how much demand there is for what is being issued. And that's why the yields have fallen quite dramatically, probably around about 50 basis points as we speak from its peak earlier this year. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. I, I, there's two things. When, when, when we look at a nominal bond, which is the, the yield you're quoting there, you know, it's, it's made up of two things. It's, it's made up of implied inflation and then the sort of real yield, which is the sort of, you know, is the sort of pace at which is, is compatible with, with, with economic growth, if you like. And actually implied inflation, despite the very high level of actual inflation in the US we've seen, uh, has fallen modestly. So, so in, in sort of May, it was at 256. And so this is the market's 10-year um, expected inflation rate. And that's fallen to, well, it got down to a low of 220 odd. It's now at 238. So f- firstly, you know, the market's expectations of inflation have actually fallen from the peak, which is very interesting given that inflation is still close to the highs. And, and that, I think, it just talks to the Federal Reserve being quite hawkish and saying we're not going to allow inflation to take off beyond this and the second thing is absolutely you know the, 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 there's fears about covid we've passed the maximum sort of growth momentum so from here growth slows and don't forget the federal reserve for now are buying 120 billion dollars worth of sort of bonds well government bonds and mortgage-backed securities every single month so yes. they're sort of hoovering hoovering up that supply so so it's just, i think it's a combination of factors okay and what's your call from here for inflation just to normalise. And what we've seen is the, you know, we use the famous word from the Fed Chair, Jerome Powell, it's transitory. Are you a transitory yeah. fan? 
I, I am a, a transfer sort of person. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I'm absolutely convinced it will, it will fall back. And, and there's a very simple reason for this is that central banks nowadays are inflation targeters. If, you know, if it's much higher than they expected, the Federal Reserve, not only are they going to pull back on those purchases very, very quickly, and, that, and that's in process anyway, they're going to start hiking interest rates earlier than we all think. And, and as, as we all know from economic history, as soon as the Federal Reserve do that, they kill the economic cycle. So I, I, I personally think that the, the upside has, has been sort of truncated by the Fed communication. They're not going to allow this to, to, to run away. So you know, even if it isn't transitory, if you believe they remain credible, then, then then it's very hard to see inflation much above, you know, sort of two and a half percent over the medium term. Very good. Russell, thank you so much for your insight. That's Russell Silverstone, investment strategist at 91 in London.